Good morning, everyone. I'm Jose. If you're new, uh, welcome. If you're back from a long extended holiday in the summer, God bless you. It's going to hit September and suddenly it's cooling off. God is good all the time. And all the time, those of you who don't have air conditioning, God is good. All right, let's pray. And if you have a Bible, we're going to eventually get to James 3. So you can just go there. Some of the other things I'll put on the screen. But if you need a little time, table of contents, whatever, James 3 is where we're going to land eventually. But it'll take us a while. Lord, we do love you and we thank you for the day. We thank you for the sunshine. We thank you for the ability to be in this building and gathered together in your name. And God, we want to hear from you. So we invite you to now open our ears so that we can hear your voice. Open our minds to think as you think. And then we pray, open our mouths so that we will speak more like you, which is your intention from the beginning. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I was gone for most of the Olympics, so I'm still like, like catching up on some of the events that I missed. But with the Olympics over, we still have the headlines of uh, Ryan Lochte. What a guy, huh? Uh, not, not to throw him under the bus if you've been like on Mars and missed it. If you exaggerate about being mugged or, or robbed at gunpoint in another country, by the way, in this information age, you will not get away with it. And so the games are over, but his games continue. Um, he lost, if you, if you didn't catch the headlines, he lost this week his four Rio sponsors, which is going to mean more than a million dollars lost, as well as you knowing his name, not for swimming. Uh, and the, the biggest thing is he lost his long-term sponsor, Speedo. Uh, so there's hope for the rest of us who want to apply. They're taking applications. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Anyway. Well, if you, if you missed it last week, we're in part two of a conversation on, on words and the power of words. And so your words matter. My words matter. Ryan Lochte's words matter. And so I want to do a little quick recap of what we said last week. We're going to build out a couple more principles and we're going to apply it uh, this weekend. And we're going to end by actually doing what we are talking about. So if you missed it, no big deal. Number one, we learned last week that words shape reality. That is Proverbs 18, 21. The, the tongue has the power of life and death. If you missed the teaching, the podcast is up for free. I encourage you to download it. Second thing we learned is that words can be used as weapons because words shape what we believe and think and ultimately what we do. We can use them negatively. They can be weapons. Proverbs eleven nine: with their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors. Now we learned last week, that's not God's design, but wisdom says, I want to live like God designed. Now on the flip side, we ended last week with the fact that words can bring healing. And this is the encouraging part for us. Proverbs 12, 18, the words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. And so we ended with those three ideas. We ended with two super practical applications. Number one, consider your tone. When I'm talking to you, the volume, the hand gestures, the way I'm, the shaking, you know, that matters. The tone of my voice matters. My body language matters. And also consider your timing. Sometimes the right thing said at the wrong time comes across in the wrong way. And so God's beginning to teach us. So that was like foundation. 
Again, you could, if you want the extended version, 45 minutes, you can download the podcast. Now we want to build out two more thoughts. I just couldn't fit them in last week and then apply it out. So in a sense, the fourth thing that we want to learn is that words start in the heart. So when we're talking about changing how we speak, we're not simply saying that we need to change our vocabulary because that, that, that never works. Just feel one way, but just change the words and it's going to change reality. No, words actually stem from the heart. Now, Jesus picks up on the Proverbs. He teaches like a proverb in Luke 6. And so you don't have to go down and throw it on the screen. We're going to spend more time in James. But Luke 6, 43 to 45 says this. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Jesus is teaching like Solomon, like the wisdom writers. He gives you a graphic and says, if you have a bad tree, you're not going to get good. If you have a good tree, you're not going to get bad. The tree defines the fruit, right? Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars, right? Get grapes from a vine. And a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And the opposite's true. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And then his proverb to kind of seal all this. For, uh, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Let's just say that together. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Now, a little clarify. When I say heart, some of us, because we use the heart like Valentine's Day, the heart. Heart is emotions. Heart is feeling. But biblically, when the Bible writers use heart, you can almost always put mind in Jewish thinking, the heart is the center of the inner life. It's the thinking, the feeling, and where I make my decisions. So when Jesus says, out of the heart, he's not like, like, you know, out of your feeling alone. Out of the way you think, out of the way you feel, out of the way you make decisions, your rationale. Um, to not sound esoteric, but out of your center, out of your core of who you are, out of the most truest part of you. Deep within, out of that, your mouth is going to speak. So it's not, if you're a Jesus follower, it's not just about trading words, but with a heart that actually doesn't believe what you're saying. It's about asking God to go deeper within. So for us, following Jesus is about more than changing behavior. You need to get that. Some of us grew up in church that, you know, God, you know, God is good, and so we need to be good, so be clean, and be right, and be straight, and just change your behavior. Be, act more like God and he'll love you. Well, we want to act like God. But the fact is, if we just try to change behavior, we're just going to become legalistic and judging each other by what we do. Jesus teaches the better way. The better way is realizing if I really want my mouth to change, I need God to get at the center of who I am. Because in the end, you can try to trick and fake the people around you out of the overflow of what's at your center, your mouth will show us deep. I don't need a, a little scope to go down your throat to know what's deep within. All I need to do is to listen to you. And the way you speak to the people that are closest to you, and the way you speak when you're not on a stage and we're just chatting about life, I will know what's in your heart because Jesus is right. 
So what we want is God to reshape the way that we think, that we feel. We want him to reshape the way we have a mindset so that we can think more like him. So how do we do this? John 3, 3. This is so basic, but it's fundamental that if we miss it, we'll miss it. Very truly, I tell you, Jesus says, no one could see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the place where God rules. God created the universe, but the universe is spiraled in rebellion. Many people are not following God. While he's over it all, he's not leading it all in that not everyone is following his leadership. You would agree with that. Many people say, I don't believe there's, there's a God. I'm going to do my own thing. But Jesus says for those to actually experience and see in their world God's rule, they can't do it unless they are what? Born again. Now, that's taken on all sorts of connotations. So, so that term may not be helpful for you, but the metaphor is right on point. The only way for my words to change is for me to be born anew. I have to have a change at the deepest level if my mouth is going to change. If I'm going to love you by, by the way that I speak, Jesus is saying you can't see God rule your life, thought life, feeling life, decision-making life, all of who you are, unless you have a reset. I think it's a better word that for us. Like born again can have so many connotations based on your church background. Unless things are reset, reignited, restarted, in other words, because of our own rebellion and sinfulness, every part of who we are has been skewed. So it's not just about changing behavior. I need a deep change. So when you follow Jesus, when you repent and really follow him, you get a new heart, not, not just feely. You really are, in God's sight, reset with a new way of viewing the world. It doesn't mean you'll actually always live that way, but it means you can. You can now understand God's voice. You have a new nature, a new power, a new position, a new future. Like we said last week, if anyone's in Christ, Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, the old is gone, the new has come, and this is from God. So I would encourage you, if you're not yet following Jesus, the place to begin is to invite his life to transform your life. Ask him to push the reset button, to give you a new heart, to be born again. And then next weekend, I encourage you, show that publicly. Don't be ashamed to follow Jesus. And when we do baptisms, just say, hey, last Sunday, I, I decided to follow Jesus. But when we do that, it doesn't mean I'm gonna be perfect but it means I can actually follow God's commands. Until I have the Holy Spirit, until God rebirths my way of view, my, my way of seeing the world, I can't follow God, but now I can. So words start from the heart, which is such good news. If you are following Jesus, what I'm suggesting is that your words can and will change. The way you love people, see people, speak to people, it will happen over time. Now, the speed is going to depend on your level of obedience, right? If I can now know God, if I can understand the things of God, if I can have God's power working within me, the only thing that's slowing me down is my active participation in what God wants to do in my world. So some people skyrocket. Have you ever find someone that just started following Jesus not too long ago? Like, wow, what happened? 180. Other people, it's really, really slow. I'm here to encourage you. 
you can allow God to accelerate that in your world as you actively invite him. God, I've been made new. Help me live that way. But some of us, life's just so busy that we forget to ask God to help us in growth. All right, that was number four. And then the final one, and we'll, and we'll get uber practical um, on how to live this out. Number five, write this down. Words guide our actions. And I said go to James 1. There's too many verses to throw on the screen, so hopefully you're there by page or by app. Uh, James 1, and we're going we're gonna to see how James, brother of Jesus, takes... Proverbs and takes the teachings of Jesus and wraps it up into a practical application for the church. So James 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers. Pause. So he's speaking to people who've already been born anew. Reset. Born again. Changed. Not many of you should become teachers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. He's applying this out. Because the power of words can transform reality, because words can be weapons, because words can bring healing, because words are powerful and they stem from the heart, he says, in practicality, most of us shouldn't aspire to say a lot in the church, because those who speak those words are going to be judged accordingly. Now, it says in in verse uh, 2, we all stumble in many ways. Whew, reality check. Okay, so he's like, perfection's not going to happen. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who's never at fault in what he says is, quote unquote, perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Point being, this is something we are called as a church to grow in. The more that I say, the more I can tear down or bless nobody's perfect, but I aim to keep my whole body in check. I want all of me to honor God, what I do and what I say. Now, how do I do that? And he gives us some pictures. Verse three, when we put bits into the mouth of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. That's one picture, horse and a bit. Verse 4, or take ships as an example, another example. Although they're so large and are, and are driven by strong winds, they're steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Again, it's saying the same thing. Big animal, small bit, the whole thing's turned. Big ship, small rudder, the pilot only has to turn the small rudder and he can change the whole direction of the ship. Verse 5. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Another metaphor. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And we get this here in Oregon. A huge forest fire destroying tens of thousands of acres is started by one little spark. One little marshmallow s'mores experience at the wrong time and homes and livelihoods and acres upon acres are destroyed. So he says in the middle of verse 8, it corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Good morning, right? I love the word hell on a Sunday morning. It's just so inviting. Now, all James is doing is he writes like the book of Proverbs. So 
Proverbs gives us extremes, over-the-top extremes to prove a point. Be careful. And so he says, oh, fire and, you know, starting a spark. Well, the tongue can be sent and corrupted by the very fire of hell. Now, what is it saying to you and me? How we speak matters. So James is simply saying, my actions, how I live, change behavior. How do you change behavior? You change what comes out of the mouth. Because my mouth is going to set the course for the direction of this relationship or this challenge or whatever. And in order to do that, we know Jesus taught there has to be a change of heart. So just jump down to verse 13, because he's been talking about the tongue and the power of the tongue. Verse 13, right after the tongue, look at what he says next. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds, notice, not words, but by deeds done in humility that come from wisdom. So James makes the connection that words guide and navigate my actions. Because the tongue could be like a fire, it could destroy, it also could be controlled by the power of the Spirit and could be unleashed in positive ways. So he says, let, if you want to be wise, let it show up in the way you live in deeds done in humility. Starts with the heart, it comes out of the mouth, but mouth Talk is only part of the equation. The end goal is that we will actually live more like Jesus. Wisdom shows up in the way that I live. So God's aligning the, the steps of progression. God needs to transform the heart continually. It shows up in the mouth. But it's not just about talking about being loving. If I talk about loving you and say I love you, wisdom says my actions line up with my speech. So it's not just about changing words. It's about being changed at the deepest level. It bubbles up, up into my mouth. And now I speak words of life and love. But then those words of life and love, because I'm really being changed on the inside, changes the way I actually live towards you. This is so basic and foundational. But sometimes, friends, we miss it over the basics. How do I know if I'm misguided in my action towards you, my speech towards you, and my heart towards you? He continues, verse 14. Don't miss this. So deeds done in humility come from wisdom. Now he gives a contrast. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, notice, in your heart, in your center, in your mind, in the way you think. If you think and process out of selfish ambition and, and bitter envy, don't boast about it or deny what's true. Such, quote-unquote, wisdom doesn't come from God. Heaven is just a substitute word for God. Doesn't come from God, but it's earthly, unspiritual and then again, because he's writing like the Proverbs, he goes overboard. Demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So I'm not suggesting you should be testing other people in this because that could get dangerous. But if you want to do a self-check, am I 
doing this? Am I saying this? Am I going this way towards them out of love or because of what I'm going to get out of it? Out of selfish ambition or out of bitter envy? Do I, do I tear you down because I know that's going to make me feel better? Do I gossip about you because I know it's going to make me look better? And if we learn to be wise, we learn to ask God to reveal challenges at the center. If my heart towards you is evil, guess what? My words and my actions will follow my heart. So God wants to change us. And this, friends, doesn't happen overnight. This is a lifelong work where we invite wisdom, God's wisdom to come. And if I'm aware that at the heart level, I can get off. You can follow Jesus, be filled with the Holy Spirit, love your spouse, be faithful at work, and still be filled with bitter envy, jealousy, selfish ambition towards people that love God as well. So these dualities can exist. And what James is saying is we want to live like Jesus, we're going to have to continue to invite Jesus to revamp and inspect my heart. I would love to say I've got this covered. But the more I read the Bible, the more I realize I am unlike Jesus. But I'm growing, right? So I'm not discouraged. I'm not despondent. I'm like, oh, forget it. Never going to work. But when I think about how off my heart can become, it reminds me I need to grow in words to the wise. I need God's wisdom. All right, recap. Take the next 10 minutes to drill out seven ways to do this in the community. But a quick recap, which is always helpful. Number one, words shape reality. Words can be weapons. Words can bring healing. Words start in the heart, and then those words guide my actions. So here's what I did. Because I don't want us to walk away with saying, oh, that's great, theory. What do I do? Paul is used by God as an apostle, as a leader. He writes most of the letters to churches. So all I did this week was to look at all of what Paul wrote and ask myself, what does Paul say to the church? What did he say to the church 2,000 years ago about how we speak to one another? And I narrowed it down to seven, again, out of love. Out of love, trust me. There were many more and some were hyper close, so I just combined them. But seven things that Paul tells the church 2,000 years ago that are worth telling ourselves and as a family to think about on how I can change the nature and tone of my words. We're going to go fast-paced. I'm going to throw all the verses on the screen so you could write it down and reflect on it this week. Seven things. First one is words that are humble. I'm, I'm going to learn to speak in a way that's humble. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited, which means you might be more educated, have more experience. You may be more wealthy or seemingly important to other people in the community, but don't be conceited. Don't talk down to people. In our words to one another, let's learn to be humble. Let's take the low position. If I am speaking with grace and humility towards you, chances are it's going to go better than if I tell you, hey, look, I've been around the block. Let me tell you what you should do. 
that sounds like a guy like the right thing to say usually goes south, especially when speaking to those closest to you. Humble. Second, words that are fair. Romans 14, 13, Therefore let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind, not, what is that? Make up your mind, make up your heart, make up your decision, all the same thing. Decide not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or a sister. We have to remind ourselves, I don't know everything about you. This is really hard. I am hyper-judgmental. It doesn't take me long to form a decision, and when in doubt, my decision is right. In my, this is my psyche. I'm messed up. I need Jesus, right? In my mind, when I've come to a conclusion, that conclusion is always right, and that's not fair. I'm assuming in my own brain, I have all of the facts. Everybody make that judgmental decision, say that judgmental thing, only to find out the full story the next day. Ouch. That's like my weekly kick in the pants. I make, no, this is what, this is why. And I'm like, oh, I didn't realize that they were struggling because someone in their family just fell in the blank. Oh, I didn't realize they just lost their job. I didn't realize they just found out that whatever. Since I don't have all the facts, I've got to learn to speak words that are fair. Third thing, words that are encouraging. This is natural for some. Some are just naturally going to see the positive. Many of us are going to learn to work this out by the Spirit. 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. He's in the middle of a discussion on disagreements in the church. Strive for full restoration encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace. I'm not going to always get it right. We're all a work in progress, so I can choose words that are encouraging. Right after this gathering, one week ago, I got a text from a friend who happens to be in this gathering now. There's just like two lines of super encouraging words. And in the middle of a long day, that like gave me fuel to speak again at 11 and fuel to speak again at 6. It took a two-line text to fuel my soul. She didn't have to, but she just chose to simply say words that are filled with encouragement. It put us on the same page. It, it brings peace. Friends, this one alone will transform our church. If we all chose to speak words of encouragement and words that are fair. Fourth one, uh, words that are loving. Ephesians 4.15. Instead, speaking the truth in love will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Look at the, look at the metaphor here. Speaking the truth. How? In love... We are going to mature into one body. I've said it, and I'll say it again. Words that are true without love are naturally abrasive and often can help people miss what is true. If I only hear the abrasive words, if it's not done in love, I'm never going to get the truth. So growth in Jesus is me learning to say the right thing, the true thing, in a godlike manner. Man, I, I wish this was easy. 
Are you depressed yet? I mean, the list is long, but it's not meant to be like, okay, these are the markers, seven things. It's, to see, these are just examples. For, for you, maybe one on this list is the area where we need the Holy Spirit to do some work. Maybe two, maybe seven. It's a work in progress. Words that are loving. Words that are true. Uh, Ephesians 4.25. Each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. There's no room, I'm speaking to myself, for me to exaggerate or boast or lie. How much trouble has happened in, in a local, I'll just stick to church, forget about your family or your relationships, in a church where someone just didn't speak the truth. They're just like, you mean Christians lie? Yeah, they breathe too. Just, like, what if we said, even if the truth doesn't make me look so good, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak the truth. What if we just started there? Because we're brothers and sisters, when I lie, it affects the whole body, not just the two people involved. A lie spreads faster than the truth. And it's like a spark on dry grass. And the next thing you know, a community is split into camps, factions, parties. And the whole thing becomes a mess. You root it down, and it could be that at the source of it was just a lie, a half-truth. Let's learn. Let's not go that direction. Now, I'm not accusing, and I'm not saying we're like this. I think this is an awesome church, and I love it. I'm joining. Seriously, this week, I am joining our church. And... Um, Words that are forgiving. Let's, let's move on. Words that are forgiving. Ephesians 4, 31-32. Get rid of all, the list is horrible. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling for all two of you. You know, like most of us aren't brawlers. And slander. Ouch. Brawling and slander. How about that for a combo? Those of you who are willing to fight with your fists, those of you who are willing to fight with your words. Tear down with words. Along with every form of malice, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each of you, just as in Christ God forgave you. We're going to mess this up, is what Paul is saying. So let me take the posture of forgiveness. Let me, let me learn to extend grace. Hey, if you're here for a year, I guarantee you I'm going to offend you. That's like a guarantee. The question is, am I doing it purposefully? Man, I need God's forgiveness. If I am purposely trying to berate you, God forgive me. But maybe I say something that's not meant as an offense to you and you take it in an offensive way. Can I just ask, would you learn to forgive me? And in community life, if you're part of one of our church communities, those smaller groups that meet in the middle of the week, just hang out with people and you're going to offend each other. Something like, I was part of a group for a while, but, but it, it became too hard. Yeah because you're all human. And when humans bring up the good, the bad, and the ugly, sometimes we rub each other the wrong way. Can I just say to all of us, if we're going to grow in community life, we're going to learn to, we're going to need to learn to extend forgiveness, because sometimes I'm not perfect. Yep. And that's just following Jesus. So let's learn to forgive one another. And then here's an exciting one. Number seven, 
Words that are spirit-inspired. I couldn't think of a better phrase, so I just made one up, all right? Colossians 3.16, here's where I got this. Let the message of Jesus dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I was sharing with some of our friends who came early for prayer. It dawned on me this week. Look at what it actually says. As you teach and admonish one another... With wisdom, how? Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. In other words, God sometimes gives you, you ever just listen to a song and that the lyrics of that song just change your day? I think all of us can, you know, there's someone or some, whether it's poetry or whether it's a statement, a quote, someone came up with like a combination of words and it struck you at the deep level. Here's what God is saying to us. Through Paul to the church, he says, build each other up. How? God will give you words. It may be psalms. It may be hymns. It may be spiritual things. God may give you a phrase for someone that could build them up. And then he says, build each other up. Then singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So words go both ways. We build each other up by speaking life-giving words. When you quote something that is from Scripture to someone and say, I was reading this and I thought of you, you're applying Colossians 3. And my friends, that may sound so dorky. That may sound so simple. But if God-inspired words to lift you and build you up, and you quote that in someone else's direction, and they receive it as Scripture, as God-given words, that is life-changing. It happened to me this Friday. Again, I usually finish my message by Wednesday or Thursday. I kick it out to about 12 people to read it, chew it up, fix it, make it better, because I love you, and I want it better. So Saturday, I usually like revamp a bit based on the feedback that I get. So I was done with my message, kicked it out to everyone. I woke up to a text. I turn off all my emails, whatever, but I don't turn off my text. And I was woken up by a text. And most people who know me don't text me early on Friday morning because my, my day of Sabbath. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it to you. The Lord, quote, the Lord brought you to mind this morning and I'm praying for you out of the book of Isaiah. Who reads Isaiah anyway? But my friend was. It's in the Bible. Um, in particular, and then he quotes Isaiah 26.3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And then he ends the quote. And then he writes this phrase, may that resonate in your spirit today as you live out the gospel. I got killer friends, man. Now this is my friend who I haven't seen in more than six months. He lives here in the Portland metro area but we live on total opposite ends of town. We rarely see each other. We both travel. He has no reason to write that to me on a Friday morning. Shame on him. But I'm so glad he did. That made my Friday. Because I was reminded that God loves me so much that he said something to Isaiah 700 years before Jesus, 2,700 years ago, 
stirs my buddy who lives in Oregon City to wake up and think about me and read that and direct it to me. I'm telling you, maybe you've never been blessed by that kind of random text, but that changes things. What am I saying? The Holy Spirit has already given words of Scripture, but it doesn't have to be Scripture only. It could be words that are in alignment with who God is and what God is like. Positive, uplifting, kind, loving, truthful words. Okay, I've gone overboard, but I want us to catch this. Now, where do I start right now? One more verse. We'll throw it on the screen for you. Philippians 4, 8 and 9. In light of anxiety, in light of wonder, in light of confusion, Paul says to a church about how to pray. He says, pray without ceasing. And then he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, think. Think about these things. You want to change your world, you change the way you think. And what when what you think is in alignment with who God is, now this is not the power of positive thinking. I'm not Tony Robbins. I don't have teeth that are perfect. But, but I'm saying when my thoughts are in alignment with God's thoughts, it actually changes me. So whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And, and this is an unfortunate and. This, if you look at it, it almost thinks if you do all these things, the peace of God will be with you. But it's not, grammatically, that's not correct. It's saying whatever you've learned from me, seen in me, put into practice, and all the while the God of peace will be with you. As you're trying to think on good things and live that out, know this, the peace of God is going to be with you all the way through. Friends, think about what you think about. Catch that. Think about what you think about. And then whatever you think about, put it into practice. All right, we're going to respond with worship in multiple ways. Here's what I want to do primarily. We've been praying this morning that God in his goodness would give you words that are life-giving for someone in this room. This is called the experiment that could go sideways. But wisdom is always applicable. Wisdom is always about doing, not just about knowing. So here's what I want you to do. As we respond in worship, now if you don't know anyone here, you're slightly off the hook. Slightly. But right now, as we pray, we're not going to pray for ourselves. We're going to pray, God, there is someone else in our community that just would love a word from you and all I'm asking you to do is to ask God, who is it and, and what do I say? Now, that could be a Bible verse. It could be as simple as, as we were praying, God put you on my mind. Man, that's how much God loves you. That when we were praying, God put, now how can I best pray for you, right? If you don't know what to say, Let's learn to speak. Now, if the, the person, if God brings someone to mind and the person is not in this room, I give you the freedom to immediately, don't wait, immediately pick up your phone, text, don't read your email. If you go to your news apps, God is judging you. He's judging you. 
but go to your text, text that person, I am in church and you came to my mind and whatever, these words don't have to be perfect. This is how the Holy Spirit works. What would happen if every time we came to the church gathering, we were thinking, God, what do you have for me to pour into somebody else? Rather than, God, I hope you have something to say to me. What if I was thinking about you and you were thinking about me? I'm telling you, life-changing. So we want to begin to practice this, all right? I gave you enough stall. Let's stand on our feet. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Brandon's going to sing and lead us in, in the minute. But here's how we do this. So if God brings Raleigh to mind, he didn't, but you just happen to be standing right here. If God, God, God brings Raleigh to mind, sometime before this gathering's over, if he's hard to get to from where I'm at, but even if I want to be bold, I'll just, you know, when worship is happening, hey, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Or maybe when you go up to grab the bread and the cup before you go back to your row, maybe as soon as the last song is sung, you, you don't wait though, don't wait. Let's speak life and be willing to be wrong because frankly, you're not. You're just stepping out in faith. Now, if you say that you're evil and God's judging you, maybe you may want to tone that with other words. You may want to wait on that one. Let's find those words of life and let's speak them out, okay? Lord, we love you. We invite you now. Holy Spirit, you already have words for every one of us. You have something to say to every one of us. Now, God, unleash those words to us, to we, your people, to young and old, male and female, rich and poor, new to faith, and those who've been following a long time. We invite you, Holy Spirit, speak through all of us to all of us, we pray in your name. Amen.